0: In today's episode of the Amon Wire podcast, part of I want to say being able to apply the lessons of navigating these hardship, it necessitates in being on a, a spiritual journey for its own sake, outside of hardships, which means I need to I seek to purify my soul. I seek to rectify my soul. I seek to to, to try to practice at whatever capacity, one step at a time whatever uh, you know spiritual excellence that I can so that I can know myself. And if I know myself by knowing myself and also by treating myself after I know myself, this becomes a door of opening to knowing God. Assalamu
1: alaikum everyone, welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. We are here alhamdulillah with our Sheikha Muslima Permal and we are so happy to have her here with us. Um, she is a frequent guest with us here at Al-Madina, and we're honored to be with her. And she's also um, the current director, religious director, at the Majlis. And if she could tell us a little bit about that to get started before we delve into our subject for today.
0: Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. alaykum. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa sallam alayhi wa sallam wa sallam. Um, I, I'm honored to be here, subhanAllah, and it's, uh, I want to say that I'm a big fan of Al-Medina Institute, a big fan of the Pearls Conference, uh, the different projects that you all have. Um, uh, the project that we, my husband and I co-founded together is called The Majlis, literally means just a place to sit, and um, it's founded in like a desire to cultivate an intentional community around four core values. So a big aspect of the majlis is uh, about uh, coming together for the purpose of learning the religion. But it's, we're taking the religion from the tradition, and, and that's, a, that's, that's an anchor for us. Uh, there's many different ways that people in the modern world will study Islam. And uh, for us, we are looking at it from the perspective of, uh, of our tradition, the Turath, which is to take from the classical scholars, take from the classical text as it has been passed down through a senad. And that's a very particular sort of approach, but with the with the desire to um, make it relatable and apply it specifically to the Western context that we live in. So we're not living in the past. No, we're taking from the past, or our hope is to take from the past and apply it to the world and in, in the, in the circumstances that we're in, in a way that is palatable, is livable, is something that people can actually um, have hope for, that I can I can do this, I can practice this. So that's that's a that's a core value for us at the medges. Uh A second core value is that it's rooted in um, spiritual refinement. So part of learning this tradition is trying to live it, and it's you know the difference between knowing and 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 being is as like Imam Zaychak would say, um, the difference between epistemology and ontology. So the knowledge has to come from the right source, but then we also are seeking to be transformed. And that means people walk in from wherever they come from, whatever walk of life they're in. Um, you know, whatever their journey is, uh, they don't even have to be Muslim to be part of our gatherings. That's the idea is to is, everyone comes as they are. Uh, but we hope to teach it as it is, the religion, inshallah, as much as we are have the capacity to. And so spiritual refinement is a big part of what is Addressed in whatever topic that we are teaching, will always there's there's going to be an element of how do we do this? How do we practice this? How do we become what we're learning? And then um, another core value that's related to the third is love, mahabba, as being one of the doors to God, Uh, loving God and then loving His creation out of our love for Him as well. And then the final one is khidma, which is service, um, and that's another again it's it's connected. Love and service is a particular way to worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala collectively. Um, and so that's kind of what we're rooted in. We have different programs and projects and conferences and things like that. But the thing that we're, I think, really excited about right now is we recently started um, an online, go-at-your-own-pace styled uh, seminary called the NSIB and Community Servants Program. And so uh, this is interesting because many learning programs that take from our tradition, will say, uh, Depending on which one you're at, we'll say, okay, now when you finish, you'll be an ustad, or you'll be a sheikh, or you'll be a mufti, or you'll be an alim. And we're like, when you finish this program, you're going to be a community servant. It's <laughs> <That's> wonderful. <laughs> and um, it's based on this beautiful uh, event that happened in the time of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where when the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came to Medina, um, you know, everyone was coming to offer the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, give him gif- gifts and to support him. And the mother of Anas ibn Madik, she was poor, and she she told the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu "I have nothing to give you, but I give you my son mm-hmm. Anas to be your servant, mm-hmm. to be in your service." And so our hope is that, like by learning um, our tradition, and it does, we cover the same topics that many other seminaries may cover. But the hope from, um, as well as things like chaplaincy and pastoral care and other like organizational management, things that are more context specific. Uh, but the hope is that this person can then go back into their communities. And serve in whatever place they're they they need to serve. But they will have like a basic foundation, um, that will provide for them a compass so that they're not always sort of insecure and in asking questions, but rather like I, I, I have a foundation that will guide me to do things, inshallah, in the way that will be a true act of service. So that's uh that's more than I wanted to say. But that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's wonderful. And
1: okay. I really I really admire the last part because I feel like not everyone's cut out to be a famous speaker and give lectures and mm-hmm. you know, Absorb knowledge at the same rate and retain knowledge, right? But mm-hmm. you can take from that, like you're, you're doing with your seminary and go on your own pace mm-hmm. and kind of absorb it for your own community, yeah. right? Enough that you can help the people around you, the immediate people around you, exactly. right? It doesn't always have to be on a large scale. Yeah. It can start just at home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And that's such a good like grassroots focus mm-hmm. for us as Muslims so that we can start small. Yeah. And then maybe from there, you can like branch out
0: and and different people are are gifted with different talents right. so one person in the community is going to organize the whole event right you have your Khalid bin Walid <laughs> they're not the alim, but they but Khalid needs his foundation right in order to do Khalid can only do best exactly, right? exactly. so there's different and every single player on the team is important so giving every player of that community um hopefully uh, access not, not just for da'in but like really what they need to serve community um okay. inshallah in a way that is like, uh, I want to say consistent with their values, consistent with the tradition, and they feel confident. They, they don't feel insecure. Insecurity is a really big, I think, issue for activists. Something I've come across a lot is so many times people are doing things and they're afraid. Am I doing something wrong? Am I doing it right? Is, you know, a new challenge comes up and, um, you know, how do we do this? And these are activists that are, they they're, they don't just want to take whatever is given to them from the, you know, the Western social justice uh, sort of um, approach they want to take from the what is this what is the social justice model that's from my profit you know I want to do that right but without um without like foundational knowledge they, there's a sense of insecurity these people are telling me to do that, but I, I kind of feel like there's something wrong with that it's like so so giving people that sense of security know your tradition know how to apply it um and and then you have confidence inshallah and can and really do things that are inspired hopefully <laughs> that's the goal I think that just kind of brings us a little bit closer to our topic
2: today, which is navigating hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Farah Sheikh. I'm a mental health therapist, Muslim women's and children's mental health therapist in Maryland. And my co-host is Ghazala Sheikh, who is a Muslim women's uh, physical <laughs> therapist in oh, New Jersey. And um, I think what we wanted to discuss today with you, and just take from your wealth of knowledge, is that um, there will always be challenges in life. And our prophetic model of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was that he um, mm-hmm had so many challenges in his life and he experienced them with ease and with showing us how to manage them through his sunnah mm-hmm. so if you could kind of share with us some of your insight as to how we can apply um this in our lives in our daily lives um, i know that the people that i work with for example mostly the youth mm-hmm. suffer from so much depression um the rates of suicide are very high even in the muslim community And there's a lot going on post-COVID that people are really struggling in ways, in mental health, in ways that they haven't in the past. So if you could share some um, information with us and your knowledge with us about how uh, navigating hardship can become something that we can learn to um, master through our master, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.
0: So this is something that subhanAllah one to, you know, um, to think about in order to even benefit from uh, the example of the Prophet Muhammad you know, um, we have to be in a place where that, that door of understanding and that door of receptivity is open within us. So as an example, I can say a lot of things, maybe about like things to do in hardship and things not to do in hardship. But when we're in hardship, mm-hmm. if our hal, if our spiritual state is so disrupted, um, I can cognitively again know what the right answer is, but I can't be that. Mm-hmm. There's a, it's, it's a, I'm completely cut off from being that because my head, my state is so disrupted. It's so, um, it's so part of. I want to say being able to apply the lessons of navigating these hardship. it necessitates in, um, uh, being on a, a spiritual journey for its own sake outside of hardships, which means I need to, I seek to purify my soul. I seek to rectify my soul. I seek to, to to try to practice at whatever capacity, one step at a time, whatever, uh, you know, spiritual excellence that I can so that I can know myself. And if I know myself by knowing myself and also by treating myself after I know myself, this becomes a door of opening to knowing God. And the hardship can be that path to knowing God. but. We can't know him if if we're not, the, you know, the obstructed hell that we're in or the state that we're in is completely shut off. You know, a person in a state of anger, for example, um, knows what the right thing is. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, but they can't get themselves from that state of anger to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's right here. They can see it. Here's the right thing to do. Here's where I am. Mm-hmm. But I haven't mastered, you know, um, this, you know, the... I need some tools for mastery of my of my nafs in this situation so that I can navigate myself to a place to, to get out of this state that I'm in, to this other place where then I can then do this thing that I know will is actually the right and best thing to do for my soul and for the situation. So um so part of it is just the um the hell that we experience our hardships in knowing that when our head is off there's no way that we can actually do the right thing your head is so off it's t- it's calling you your nefs i should say so the head is the state the nefs is the, is is the self but the self can be in different places at different times and when our self is calling us to um, sort of negative responses we c- we can't get from that state of the of the self calling us from that negative response to the right answer right away there's no, there's no shortcut from here to there. That's very hard. It's you need like the superpower to be able to, in that state, to just be able to go from here to here. But what a person can do is change their state. Be like, okay, I need to move myself out of this negative state into a different state. There's methods to do that. There's ways to do that. And then now I'm going to go back and deal with the situation from this other state. Mm-hmm. But the state being off in the first place is an indication that we have to do something to treat that first. That's right. like the immediate thing. And so... um Something that I like to talk about is the different Ds, the Ds, the D letters of our nafs. Um, And it's from shaitan. Shaitan is the first one to whisper it. And then the nafs will sort of hold on to that and repeat it to us after shaitan leaves. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first two would be doubts and desires. So a person is, uh, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim talks about this as well, that like a person is going through a hardship. uh, And in the middle of that hardship, they have doubts about Allah, right? And Allah says it in the Qur'an. That, um, they had had negative thoughts about God, right, when they saw the hardship. Um, and so doubts is one of them. The second one would be desires, that in the state of hardship, a person's like, you know what? Maybe I'll, uh, I'm going to find my relief in some, in a temptation from the temptations of this world, right? Because I just need relief right now. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to self-medicate with, um, you know, alcohol. I'll self-medicate with drugs. I'll self-medicate with all the different harams that that normally I'm not actually even inclined towards. Mm-hmm. But in my hardship, right, this is calling me as a form of relief. Mm-hmm. So self-awareness for the person who's going through a hardship is really important, so they know, okay, that's what I, that's what's happening right now. Is I'm being um, either I'm having doubts about God or I'm having, uh, you know, this uh, des- uh, what is it desires. That, you know, this is a door that's pulling on me. Right. Uh, A third one. I'll go back and address each one. But like the third one is um, is despair to actually lose hope in God and lose hope in oneself and lose hope in the whole thing. And that's that's definitely one of the avenues of Mm Shaytan, which is just to, um, you know, there's there's no hope. There's no use. Give up. It's not let go. Letting go is different than giving up. Shaitan is like give up, give up on the whole thing. Right. And um despair is also one of the doors. If a person knows that they're in this like numb state where in just dis- to th- in their mind there's no solution,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Know that that's a that's a state of despair. And it's one of the doors of of trying to block us off from our true selves. So that's that's the third. Um the fourth is destructiveness. So The test is there, but in a person, they're in a higher state than despair. So now they have some energy. Um, That energy is exerted through anger, but it's not anger. It's anger in the wrong place. Anger in the wrong place wants to destroy everything, wants to lash out. It may be very justified often. Like the wrong is a very clear wrong and it needs to be corrected. But rather than correcting it, which would be constructive, uh Shaitan never wants us to do that, you know, so it's like, no, destroy it all. Dest- burn it all down. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's to say something destructive. It's to do something destructive uh, to oneself or to others. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the that's one of the the d's that tries to like uh, basically get us off our path of of navigating the hardship. Can you go back
1: to the despair mm-hmm. for a second? because mm-hmm. I think that hits, um, you know, it hits something where I feel like with a lot of people, you'll get maybe like some sort of bad news, Mm -hmm. something catastrophic. Mm -hmm. And you go into this kind of, like you were saying, your nafs becomes kind of numb, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So is that, how would you differentiate despair versus something else? You know, like you're a strong Muslim, you're Mm -hmm. believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you feel like you have a strong connection, but Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you get this kind of, you know, someone will get some news about their health or a family member or something. Mm That's really like a punch in the gut, mm-hmm. devastating, yeah. um, and it it kind of throws you off balance, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times. So where do you navigate there? Where what's the fine line between despair and just being kind of observed yeah. and yeah. sad and grief and
0: grieving? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the Prophet Muhammad I think, is a really a beautiful example of someone who experienced devastating news a lot mm-hmm. and, and and hardships and. Uh, he grieved and he was very sad, you know, like when he lost his wife, the Khadija, and his uncle in the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the year of sadness because he carried that sadness with him. Uh, it is, is he saying, oh, Allah, why did you do this? See, that's the, the thing is if the, if you have an a'tirad on Allah, like you have a, like uh, you're telling God subconsciously you did something wrong, you know, or you did, you uh, this could have been better. You know, you could have done X, Y, Z. Why not X, Y, Z? Then I think that's where the despair comes in because the person is in a place where they're not surrendered to God's will, but you can be fully surrendered to God's will and accepting to God's will and, and lovingly surrender to God's will and still feel the pain of loss and still feel the grief of loss and still feel the sadness that comes with missing people that were in your life and now they're not there and things remind you of them. And that doesn't mean that you have an all on Allah, like that that you have any kind of like you're saying, oh, Allah, but you're not saying mm-hmm. that you're just that's just the normal sort of um, the the pain that comes with the life of this world. And experiencing that pain is what makes us human. Mm-hmm. So like if a person doesn't have that pain and doesn't feel that pain, I'd be more worried for them because like, you should feel sad when uh, your most beloved spouse passes away. Or, you know, these are things that make you make us feel sad. And we have grieving periods, right? And for the widow and things like that. So... um, So I think, like, the full range of human emotion is within what we recognize in in our tradition, but it's about, um, you know, I would say, like, the thoughts behind the emotions. So one person is grieving and they... You know their heart is totally surrendered to Allah, and they love Allah and they recognize His decree, and they simply miss the one that that has been taken from them. or they're sad that something is has not is not ha- has not happened to them, right. yeah, because I know for a lot of people, this actually is the test for them when it comes to getting married. They're sad because they want to be married. They yeah. want a companion in their life, you know right, right. But they're not saying to Allah, you did something wrong with me in their heart. So they still love Allah. They still turn to Him. Mm-hmm. In their hardship, they're not turning away from him. right. Um, whereas the person who's in despair when it comes to the test, um, they may feel like, uh, God doesn't love me, I'm being tested, or I'm being punished because uh, he took this person away from me, or he's punishing me by not letting me get married. And like so there's this diagnosis or something. Or I like have that. this diagnosis, like this is a sign that God Allah doesn't care isn't about. not happy me. with me. He doesn't care about me. He he's right. not paying attention to me. So, like, these, are, these are the thoughts, right? So they start to have negative thoughts about God. And um, so behind their pain and sadness is also a, but you didn't give me what I wanted, you know? And so, um, and it may inspire rebelliousness so that the person in despair may not necessarily be um, worshiping more. They may end up finding other ways of dealing with their uh, with their sadness, like you know, since he didn't care about me, well, I'm just going to take off my hijab, mm-hmm. you know, and well, if, if if none of this stuff, none of my, my practice of Islam didn't really make a difference, make a difference, so why don't I just go have fun? I might as well, you know. Right. So it's a very much it's like a, a like a giving up. Mm-hmm. and and and, a giving up on oneself and a giving up on one's um on uh, the fact that Allah actually wants good for you. Mm-hmm. somehow they've cut themselves off from that, and they don't realize they have. So, um, so despair is, you know, despair leads to different behaviors than 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 just sadness and grief, right. Uh, so I think I think also sorry, I didn't mean to cut you, oh no, but I know you
1: had mentioned before about people who not only just survive um, a hardship, but they thrive in it. Yeah. So what I'm getting from this is that you're saying, you can still be considered someone who thrives, yes. even though you're having sadness yeah. or you're missing the person or you're, you know, you're sad about whatever is going on. Yeah. But the thriving is that you're still keeping your connection with Allah subhanahu wa
0: ta'ala. Right? That's right. Is that That's helpful? right. Again, you're turning to him. Right. So you're not turning away from him. You did this to me. You're turning to him. Like, help me to help me to weather the storm, right. you know, that you have decreed. Let me. I want to respond to it in the most beautiful way. And I can't do it myself you know, don't leave the prophet's prayer, the prophet's prayer, don't leave me to myself for the blinking of an eye.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like, I, I'm going to even rely on Allah to rely on Allah.
1: <laughs> you know, <Subhanallah>, sometimes <laughs> you see people that are just so wonderful at dealing with the most hardship, mm-hmm. ha- tragic hardships.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they have resilience yeah, and they yeah. have a strength and that you, s- you kind of, you're in awe of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you see people that are really struggling with with hardships that are, you know, minor. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's important to say that You know, the real, the real true test is, you know, where your relationship with Allah lies at that
0: point. Mm -hmm. And by the way, a lot of times people who think they're failing a test, they're thriving and they don't know it. Mm -hmm. They can't see themselves. That's a good point. So like a person feels because sometimes like the situation around them hasn't changed yet. Maybe they're doing something wrong, you know, but they are turning to Allah in prayer and devotion. They're like trying to do as much as they can to be um, a devoted servant of Allah. And they may have doubts about themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they may think, like, God, I'm, I'm so, like, not doing well. And they don't realize. And this is from Allah's mercy that he's hidden it from them. That, no, you're actually, like, you're being drawn so close right now. And uh, if they were to maybe even look at themselves in that state and compare it to who they were maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago, they're much more living their life in the awareness of Allah and the constant awareness of Allah through their test than they were maybe 20 years ago without that test or 10 years ago without that test so the um they don't see that it's they're doing well cancer. and and the, there's a difference between the person who is like we see for example if I, you compare it to like a marathon someone is running and on in, in a marathon and they don't they're not carrying any heavy weights or anything they're just free they're just running so it seems like they go very far and very fast and it seems like oh wow look how fast that person's going and look how far they're going And someone else is carrying, like, loads of (laughs) things on their back, right? Mm -hmm. And they're still doing it, and they're going slower, and they're like, how come I can't catch up with that other person? That person's not carrying anything. You're carrying the world on your back. Right. And um, as the person is, like, struggling and striving, there is so much reward in that mashuk. Like, they're still headed towards it. Like, taking one step towards God for that person probably has so much more reward. Than this other person who's seemingly easily doing all these acts of worship. Because
2: of their obstacles
0: in Be- their way. Because of because of how much mujahada um, how much struggle there is to do it. To do that one thing for you is so much harder. Right. So the reward is more. Because the al-ajru ala qadr al that the reward is according to the difficulty in it. Mm-hmm. So almost like take your difficulty as a sign that if it's hard, then alhamdulillah the reward is more. Um, it's just like learning Quran. They say, like in the right, beginning, the right. person who's reading Quran, it's like that, and then later on, they're with the and barra, like they're with the angels. But you don't get to that stage ever without getting through the, the hardship. You have to, be, mm-hmm. you have to be in the muck a little so
1: bit. So, do you know? feel like that one of the, you know, things that Shaitan or the tricks of Shaitan is also to make us be harder on ourselves and view uh, view ourselves, like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. as always, kind of in that state of I'm not doing good despair i'm um, mm-hmm. yeah i'm not well you know i'm not handling this well yeah even though we may be but i feel like we're you know sometimes as a society we're really like we beat ourselves up hard on ourselves, oh, ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah we're very right. hard and ourselves. Especially, so, especially
2: women yeah women. i think know. we have a lot when it comes to the responsibilities that we have as mothers as wives as daughters mm-hmm. um as community members as muslims mm-hmm. uh, i feel like we we are falsely um portrayed in the society to kind of just be able to do it all and yeah. we fall short we do we are very hard on ourselves. And I think that we we do kind of beat ourselves up and measure ourselves against some unrealistic standards. And maybe we do have those thoughts. For example, how do we know that the thoughts are from our nafs versus from Shaitan? The ones that I'm unworthy, Allah's punishing me, some of the thoughts that you mentioned that sneak in. Yeah. How do we know that if they're how do we distinguish if they
0: are w- waswasa or mm-hmm. they are from our nafs, ourselves? So Shaitan, when he comes to offer an idea or a thought that's that's bad for us he comes and he tries new things new thoughts Mm. um he doesn't come with what he's tried before unless um you know somehow we we uh shielded ourselves from that before so we never our nefs never accepted it so we might try again but uh the nefs is something that continuously repeats the same thought so shaitan it's kind of imagine a sticky wall all right shaitan throws up thoughts against the sticky wall he's waiting to see what sticks Okay, if it sticks, then he can walk away. It's that thought is now embedded within the nafs and it's, it's going to, it's on a loop. Yeah. But if it's from shaitan, it will just be like a random disruptive thought that's like out of left field often, you know? Um, it might be less than, it may not be that that sort of out of left field, but it's, it's basically something jadeed, something that's new. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's something that you have, um, you know, you you find solace and peace and that the disruptive thought is not there and then maybe time passes and that again that thought comes and Just know shaitan is making a repeated attempt. But I want to say it's almost like it doesn't even matter where the thought comes from at some level, because if we're just simply aware of the thoughts in and of themselves and be like, you know, because thoughts come from four places. It's from the shaitan or from the nafs, right? From the angels, which is like ilham, inspiration. And then there's also divine inspiration. Mm. And divine inspiration uh, makes it, if divine inspiration comes, it makes it so that the person feels in themselves, they have no other choice other than to do this good thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not even a decision. It's not something that they're thinking about. Should I do it? Should I not do it? It has to happen mm-hmm. if it's divine inspiration. It has to. It's a wajib. Like, they can't but do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, ilham is the is the thought to do that, something that is good for you, beneficial for you. So um, the angels will come and maybe tell a person, you know, you're, you're awake. You should maybe stay up and do some God or do something. Mm-hmm. And um, her person listens, alhamdulillah, you know, they, they follow the beneficial thought. Now, the nafs can also, in a higher state, call the person to do something that's beneficial. Right. right? So if the nafs has, a person has sort of gotten out of the nafs al-ammaratun um, basut state, mm-hmm. which is the nafs that calls them to these destructive things, uh, despair and doubts, and um, I didn't mention a bunch of them, but the ones that we covered, uh, you know, it's the nafs can be that which calls it to good. Right, right. Um, and the Prophet described that you don't truly believe until, like, basically your nafs um calls you to what I call you to. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the nafs can also be a source of guidance if it's elevated, it's, if it's been elevated. But to, you know, um, the person to be in that state where the nafs is elevated, they have to pr- they, this. It's that process of purification. And mm-hmm. so, with spiritual purification, from uh, that starts with an awareness of where these original thoughts are really coming from, and a rejection. Of that, which is like, no this is this is going to take me away from my creator and I'll just briefly mention the, uh, some of the other ones because I think and I'll, and I'll come back to it. so there's uh, as a review, we said doubts and desires, we said despair, right and despair, part of it is like despair in God or a despair of yourself also right um, so despair despairing in yourself is in a lot of ways a despair in God, Yeah. because you're saying like I'm just I'm not, not good enough I'm not good enough and, I, and there's no way I could ever get better. You know, um, so so there's that. There's also distraction. So like if a person, you know, has dealt with doubts and desires and despair, distraction is that which causes a person to, um, maybe they're going to be just be busy with halal things, but they're not busy with better things, right? So distraction takes a person from who they could, their, their better possible self mm-hmm. to the lower self. Not, not lower, but like it, you're going to be busy with mubahat, Rather than the full like You're not the the best version of yourself. Yeah, you're not the best version of yourself. Right. Now, and and that's okay too, in the sense that a distraction takes you away from uh, higher excellence. Um, And maybe many of us have, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm a person who I I think I I experience all of the things I'm talking about. So may Allah not count me as someone who, you know, says things and doesn't do them. So I, uh, in terms of the thoughts of despair, the thoughts of doubts or or destructiveness, these things happen to us. But if we're, If we fight them off, um, we can put, we can move ourselves into a different spiritual state. Mm -hmm. And then we can come back and do the things that we need to do and be in a way that is better and more pleasing to God. So, in terms of distractions, there's so, a distraction is something that just wastes your time. Mm -hmm. Like every time I open my phone and on social media, I'm scrolling for like 20 minutes for no reason at first I'm like oh I'm just gonna see this mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden yeah, you're I, like wait how did all this time go later going? you're yeah. like
2: where did the time go Yeah, and, so and what did I do with it
0: exactly and, right. and that's actually designed like this these oh, yeah. phones are designed to distract us so just For being sure. aware of the enemy <laughs>
1: like, yeah. yes so you, you end, end up, up watching like recipes <laughs> you're like you're 30 minutes into yeah. scrolling from one it thing to be, another um, and you're there's like, all these they know
0: I like I like what is it called things have to do with parenting and and how to raise your kids and so they just pop up commercial or video or or like ad after ad about different ways and talk to your children that's all fine and well but that was a waste of my time like an utter waste of my time right right so distraction is another one and it it actually takes us away from excellence and and then the other the last one i would say is delusion Mm. and delusion is subtle because delusion comes as something that is seemingly good but its end is not good so shaitan he knew that if i whispered something bad to you you're gonna know it's bad so i'm not gonna say something bad I'm going to say something that looks good on the outside, but it's actually bad on the inside. Right. It's so going to lead you down a slippery. So, so could you give an example? So uh, in the uh, the Prophet, he, sh- he shared with the companions the story of the uh, the monk Barsis. Yes. Right. And so in the beginning, it's like taking this poor woman, you know, and she's not even. There's no khalwa. There's her home. There's your home. Uh, you know, she's going to be there. You just put food outside her door. You're going to be taking in a homeless person. Looks good on the outside, mm-hmm. right? Not good on the inside. Um, and he knew that he can't get that monk with right. something evil at the beginning. Right. Chip he's away. Going to, it's going to be a delusion. Mm. May Allah uh, protect um, us all I from delusion. They me. say like one of the um, things that happens to people that's a form of delusion is like istidraj. Yeah. So a person is thinks that they have a God's acceptance because they, it's seemingly that they're doing all these good things on the outside. But in reality, that it's actually those same things are causes of their distance from God. Um, maybe a person... And again, like it's the state of the heart that's going to, they become arrogant through those things. They, be, they think they're better than other people. They think all kinds of delusions about themselves. Right. Um, and Shaitan will, if he can't do these other things, delusion is a very, again, a subtle door. So I remember we, we asked um, one of my teachers about this. Like, how do we know at the very beginning that this is a delusion? And he said, it's not about like what happens in the moment of the thought. What's actually more important is the, your state before the, de, the 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 delusional thought comes. So if you're someone who's in the remnants of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, then when a delusional thought comes, it creates actually a contraction inside you. It's it comes as something heavy and a contraction. And when you're in the remnants of Allah, you're actually in a peaceful, tranquil state that is surrendered to Him, mm-hmm. right? When ilham comes, you will still be in a peaceful, tranquil state that is surrendered to Him. Delusion creates a different sort of um, uh, physiological response. Now he's, you know, he didn't limit it to just that. That was just one of its signs. Um, that's just one of its signs. So like a, you'll feel like an intuition
2: about something. You'll feel a physical constriction inside your body when the thought comes in.
0: So yeah, you may feel like a physical constriction when the thought comes in. I think a really good example of this that happens a lot in our community is um, when the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu warned us that like al iste'ajal min shaitan. Right. Rushing is from the Shaitlan. And so um, a lot of times when we can't delay a response and we feel like we need to respond right away. Mm. That's delusion. Like you don't actually need to respond right now. You can wait on this and you can get yourself into a better state and then respond. But this like need I need to get this out. That's coming to you from Shaitlan. So So almost to challenge that
2: and almost push yourself to wait or delay because you feel like this is not from me, this is from shaitan.
0: Yeah, and and so like the the idea with all of these Ds, I remember, I think Imam Zaid says it, said it really beautifully. He said, um, I think all of these Ds that I just mentioned can be summed up under one D word, which is dunya. <laughs> mm-hmm, <yeah>. So true. <laughs> it's all dunya. So, so I, I remember I once asked Imam Zaid something and he was like, everything other than Allah is dunya. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So that's that's another sort of, so if you're with God, if you're with Allah, and something is going to be taking you away from Allah, whatever that door is, uh, it's dunya. Mm. Um, and so uh, that's maybe an easier way to sort of frame it is like, but th- what this assumes is that you're striving to be with God. Mm-hmm. You are you want to be in his remembrance. Um, you want to be as much as you can, as much of the day as we can, to be renewing our intentions, to, to be worshiping him and all the different things that we do. So um so when it comes to the hardships, right? Because the hardship is naturally, hardship itself is a constriction. Right. right. A, and so, but can I, in my hardship, where's in the mal-usri, right? usri is like juice, right? Asir. It's in this constriction, yusra. Imam Ibn Ajiba, he says that, the, um, that after or truly with this mujahada, when a person has struggled for the sake of God, then he grants them mushahada. They, love he, he grants them the ability to witness him so um the heart of this of the of the person who's going through hardship if they're holding on to god's remembrance in that hardship and all these different things that are circling around them in this hurricane they don't they like kind of protect their heart from that then um then they're actually at peace, they're tranquil, and, and and they could be going through all kinds of craziness. Other people will look at them and be like, how are you calm right now? Right. And they're and a lot of times they'll say, I don't know, God's doing it. And, and sometimes that's just I a blessing from
2: Allah. I have heard that. You know, you um, ask people, how are you going through this? You're so strong. And they'll just say, it's Allah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not me. They know, they know, like, I'm not like this.
2: Yeah. But Allah gave me. Allah this, has given me some sort this, of peace this, that has just come over me during yeah. this hardship and calamity. And in,
0: in that peace, they're actually with God. So yes. I've, I I know people who've gone through, like, for example, a terrible divorce. And then they'll tell me, but I'm so grateful for this because I have never remembered Allah more in my life. Mm-hmm. And so um, there, this like being with God in the hardship is where we find our ease. And it also kind of, I want to say like um, recalibrates us because there's a lot of th- ways that our hearts can get attached to different things in this world. And this kind of recenters us as no, our primary goal and attachment and focus and the whole reason that i'm on this earth to breathe and is to worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's Mm -hmm. it's 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 him he's my goal so um it's described often as like the eye of the hurricane is the most is the most peaceful and calm part of the storm yes you know and that's what we hope our hearts to be like the eye of the hurricane that's with allah and has peace with allah and has tranquility with allah and acceptance and it's going to have sadness if there's, you know, something that we're, but it's still with Allah in that sadness. Um, but that's where we want to be sort of centered. And when our head is any of these other things, we have to actually get back to this place of tranquility and then go back and look at what we need to deal with and deal with it from there. Never make a like lifelong permanent decision from a place of destructiveness or doubts or despair or desires or distraction or delusion or dunya. <laughs> so, right. So for me, when I think of, and I had asked one of my
1: teachers once, when I think of, you know, a lot of people think of like tests in the dunya. Mm-hmm. But I remember asking um, and just saying that, you know, we're in any, in any case, we're in anticipation of a test coming, right? Like yeah. you're always kind of anticipating because like you said, this is the dunya, uh-huh. right? So
0: but how, so so anticipation, calm before the storm kind of So I of want thing. to say anticipation of a test, meaning... Or you're I, always I, I, kind of... I feel like you don't need to be in a patient of tests. Uh-huh.
1: Anxiety guess, is yeah, something that that's what I'm saying. many like, so, people with. There's so many with. people with anxiety now. That yeah. that was my question was, to the teacher was, you know, if, you, if you're someone with anxiety or yeah. a nervous person... You're always you're, waiting for that yeah, shoe to drop. You're waiting you're for, waiting the, shoe for the next shoe to drop. Yeah. And you're just... If, if you're, you're happy,
0: you feel state, like, oh, this is going to last long. I'm going to be sad. And something's
1: coming. Unfortunately, we live now in a time where, you know, just anxiety and mental... just you know, depression and all those things are on the rise. And Mm -hmm. so people are in this more fragile state, Mm -hmm. right? So how do we, knowing that we're in the dunya Mm -hmm. and knowing that part of being in the dunya is that you're going to be tested, but also knowing that your aim is that you want to maintain, you know, and eventually hopefully get to that point where, like we just spoke about where you're... Elevated enough. Yeah, to say, you know, this from Allah, like I'm so calm during this time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, how how does one get to...
0: I, mean, I think that's the path of tasawwuf. Like, that's just the path of spiritual purification and, um, and seeking to, uh, I want to say, like, grow the love that we have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the path is about God. It's really, it's not even about ourselves. It's not about this world. It's really about Allah. So, um, so if we're thinking about ourselves too much, like, I'm this, I'm that, okay, now you're still thinking about other than Allah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, the path is really about Him. And many teachers will say this, that the shortcut of the path is love. It's just love. And um, loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and growing our love for him. So the more we come to know him, uh, come to know his beautiful names, um, I think a lot of people haven't studied their aqidah very well, to be honest, because I feel like so much of our um, modern theological questions, scholars have answered many of them in the past. And it's they're, they're good answers. Like They actually elevate our the way that we exist in this world and how we deal with hardship and how we deal with, um, the, uh, you know, the different things that are coming. But in terms of even like anxiety, which is, uh, I think rooted in a lot of thoughts that are like fear-based, right? So they're afraid and they're afraid and they're afraid. The more that we affirm that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is loving and there's nothing to be afraid of. And that fafirru illallah is like you, you literally, you, you flee from your fear to God, right? So... Um, I, I like in remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala do do hearts find rest. So in the in the person who's like really worried, if they um, if they find themselves in a worried state, something something as as simple and but as beautiful and as alleviating as a, a dhikr right? There's the morning adhkar that a person does. There's the evening adhkar They emerge with a lot of that just washed out. Mm-hmm. Um, salawat on the Prophet Muhammad sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, they, If a person sits and really does that with like intention and with presence, um, and uh, for someone who has, let's say, uh, disruptive thoughts, yeah. I would encourage them uh, to, if they're you know, to actually make the adhkar out loud, because you create like a space around yourself mm-hmm. where you can't be in your head. Mm-hmm. So hearing your voice say it, maybe go outside and do it in the sun while you're feeling the sun, because mm-hmm. like, you're you're in your head. Right. You have to get out of your head. So an aspect of it is like, say the adhkar, feel the adhkar other things other than this 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 disruptive um, thought that's recurring mm. and do that for a period of time uh, and you will emerge inshallah with like a lot of it hopefully inshallah all of it at some level like alleviated now if it's a mental health condition then you have to go and deal with correct uh, right. deal with uh, get, right, uh, right. a Muslim therapist and counselor that helps you through that but on a daily basis I know that when I'm sort of not um, uh, feeling worried for example or if I'm having those kind of like just disruptive thoughts, and you we know our states like I'm either tranquil or I'm in contraction, right? So, right. I know that in remembering Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that that gets alleviated. So just spending five minutes, ten minutes, it may in in the moment of contraction you feel like you don't have ten minutes. Yeah, but yeah, but if you just give it that ten minutes, um, you won't. You never. There's no regret afterwards. You're like, yeah, th- this is because these words are medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not just. The remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, there's a shifa in saying it. Like one of the ways that we rem- like know him is literally to say his names. Like you're going to know that name more when you say it. You know him through that name when you say it. Right. Um, the salawat on the Prophet Muhammad s.a. is a shifa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quran, reciting Quran is a shifa. For a period of time a person does that. They feel that that um, hal, you know, sort of being alleviated. But, um, as, and again, as, as much as we can be people of remembrance, because right. remembrance, if we do remembrance only in the morning and the evening, right, then yeah, we're going to be up and down all throughout the day. But if it's like, every, I'm going to try to remember God as much as I can throughout my day, the Prophet Muhammad said to remember Allah so much that if someone looked at you, uh, they would think you're think crazy. crazy. Yeah. So. That's why Most we have our strangers. teachers with like, uh, you know, she will have their prayer beads on their wrist. They're not wearing bracelets. They're not cross-dressing. Right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> they're, they're, um, that's like, this is their remembrance. Sometimes it's the beads that are on the wrist that are a reminder to them, right. to us, to everyone. Like, oh, this is a time to remember Allah. So um, so we want to be a people who bring his remembrance into everything that we do as much as we can. Um, the Prophet, he said that um, everything in this world is cursed except for their remembrance of Allah. Mm. So what does that mean? It actually means everything in this world is blessed through their remembrance of Allah. Mm. So um, I, I want to say that that's kind of like the the river right? that flow, that should be flowing through all the different sort of branches of things that we end up having to to um, pay yeah. attention yeah. to in our lives, navigate motherhood, family life, school, uh, our uh, education, our careers, um the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to be kind of like the bedrock of all of what we're doing. So the takeaway here
2: is that the navigating hardship is to, to inculcate remembrance of Allah in your daily life so that your hal is in a state where when calamity strikes, you're already, you're already in the remembrance of Allah. You're already striving to get closer to Allah yeah. and that you can use that as an opportunity to prote- propel you yeah. to a
0: And And if if you're not in remembrance and calamity hits... That's okay, it's just a reminder. Okay, now now this is gonna I'm gonna make this time a time of remembrance and prioritize it. Prioritize it. But I really feel like that remembrance is gonna be more impactful if a person really has the correct thoughts about God. So they have to have a good opinion of Allah when they're remembering him with a good opinion, with hope, right? So it has to it's connected to that. Not they're remembering Allah and they're thinking, but Allah doesn't care about me anyways. No, that's the remembrance of Allah with, like, I have hope in Him. Allah is greater than all of my problems. Mm-hmm. Allah is, his, his mercy and His ability to forgive and His ability to guide and His ability to fix is greater than anything under the sun. There's, there's no, uh, no one has power over Him. So remembrance with, like, affirming who He is, with a good opinion of Him. Um, when you practice patience, again, the patience that we're trying to practice is going to be with relying on Him, not ourselves. You will. We 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 get frustrated with ourselves. We have to be be patient even with ourselves, right? Like every you're gonna fall a bunch of times, that's okay. This is part of my path. This is what Allah has decreed in the world. I'm gonna get back up. I'm gonna try again. But I'm gonna. This patience has to be rooted in reliance on Him, not reliance on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, wanting to have like ihsan, like I want to do excellent. I want to thrive in what I'm doing. So let me move from like my immediate circumstances, the uh, the causes to they uh, it's moving from the asbab, if you will, to al-musabib or musabib al-asbab, the one who the cause of all causes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to respond to him. I don't want to respond to the immediate provocations. The provocations are going to come and go. Maybe they will not be resolved the way that, you know, I want. But if I'm I know that I can always respond to Allah in the way that he wants. You know, that's what I have control over. So he's gonna be my focus. And you had also mentioned
1: responding to Allah means responding to people in the way that He wants you to respond.
0: Yeah. To them. Yeah. Right. Yes.
1: So you don't wanna let people determine, which I thought was such a beautiful thing that you said. You don't wanna let people determine what your actions are gonna be. Yes. You want your actions to be determined by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants motivating. from my sector. Yeah, absolutely. Like you want what you do with people to be a reflection of what Allah has commanding you to do. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think that was so beautiful. Most, yeah. yeah, and what a beautiful perspective because at that point, it's not about you anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, about, it's not even about them. It's yeah,
1: really it's about not about Allah. them. It's about you and your relationship with your creator Yeah, and how you are treating his creation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that you you mentioned in the very beginning when we began speaking about the, the state that you're in. And I think for, in mental health terms, we would call that emotional regulation, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're in a situation where you feel that you're Thoughts and emotions are out of control. I feel like what we're discussing here is a state of spiritual dysregulation, mm-hmm. and that's another D, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we bring our um, our spirituality in line with regulation, and how we can respond to this in the state that Allah would be most pleased with?
0: So the the I mean, it's this is a wonderful question because it brings us back to what we started with: is that sometimes we have aql, we have intellect, but we're cut off from our intellect because of our ahwal. Right? <laughs> our, our hal is calling us to one of these destructive um, things. And so it's about getting our hal back to a place where it is, it can actually, the akhl can work, <laughs> you know, and it's in charge. The heart is the king, right? So if the king is in charge of the limbs and the responses and all of that, then it's and it's not um, being sort of, um, uh, the king is not being held hostage by a hal that's bad, <laughs> you know, and the actual heart is in charge. Then you have full control to be like, I see the anger, but I'm not going to respond to it. And I see the, I see all these things, but I, I, am I have control over myself, so I'm not going to do that. Um, and again, I, i the, the, the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an of Allah, really, really is something powerful. Um, I want to say, like, in terms of before a person gets into dysregulation, the starting point, if we can. You know, it's an end point, but it's also a starting point. Because when you say Muslim is someone who has submitted to God, right? right. So, like, my starting point is I, I'm not just submitting to him in terms of I, I believe in him and I believe in his religion. But I also want to just submit to him in general. Like, I want to be in a state of loving surrender to Allah at all times. Good things will happen and bad things will happen. Things I like and things I don't like. But my overall disposition that I want to have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically I love you. And I love whatever you have decreed for me, and that's what I want to be in my heart. And if bad things happen, I accept. And I only want to respond to you. I only want to respond in a way that you love. So, um, so ha- like cultivating that sense of loving surrender as a disposition within the heart um, to to because dis- if a dysregulation comes, it's such an interruption from surrender that a person can recognize it and say oh, and just let it go. I don't need to do that. I don't need to go down that road. I don't need to think that. And I love that I've heard you mention that the
2: the Muslim mm-hmm. behaves in a manner of the, when when having a difficulty, that a dead body would be in the hands of the person who's bathing them. That that's how we respond to oh, the wow. things that come.
0: But I would along. say in general, not even a difficulty. In but anything, just, just so in much, life.
2: Yeah. For me, that yeah. gave me such a visual yeah. of being in such a, a helpless state, but at the same time, being in complete surrender. And trust, and And trusting the people or the the being that is taking care of you at Mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. I love that, and I I thank you so much for for being here today and speaking with us and discussing this very important topic. I wish we could go on for another hour. I feel like we could pick your brain (laughs) for the whole day. But jazakallah for your time, and um, and for your for your knowledge and everything that you're sitting with us and. Alhamdulillah.
1: And I think that... Um, More to come, I think, because this is really relevant to this, especially, I feel, for the youth. Mm-hmm. And people are going to start navigating life.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I want to say for all of us. For all of us. For me. The world is You know, so different. I need this just as much as the young person who is struggling. Definitely. Like, you know? yeah. like, but I,
1: I, I just yeah. feel like I have younger kids that are now starting to navigate life you yeah. know as teenagers and yeah. I feel like the, the world is very different than what we faced
0: yeah absolutely so
1: things and now and there's so many labels to change you know, there's so many labels for everything right we yeah. talk about trauma and anxiety everything has a label now so yeah. people are really identifying with that so I yeah. think it's nice that we can you know also identify with it from a spiritual perspective and how to how to work with that thank but you so much I'm so honored to be here thank, thank you our honor JazakAllah For more
2: information, visit almadina.org. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salamu wa
0: rahmatullahi